You're listening to the Co-Creator Network. When you change the way you look at things, the things you look at change. Good afternoon. Welcome to Why Shamanism Now, a practical path to authenticity with your host, Christina Pratt, director of the Last Mask Center for Shamanic Healing. She's talking about how shamanic skills can bring us to physical, emotional, mental, and spiritual well-being, especially when nothing else can. Now, here's your host, Christina Pratt. Welcome, everyone, to Why Shamanism Now. This is your host, Christina Pratt, and I'd like to begin here uh, by calling in the helping spirits to be with us. So I call out first to my ancestors and to yours. I call out to those people who lived well and died well and bring to us this rich legacy of all that is good and true and beautiful in our ancestral lines. I call out to those people who met the challenges of their time in a good way who learn the hard lessons in life about what is real here and what is false, what are illusions and what is the deeper truth, those things that we cultivate in our life that will go with us when we die. So I call out to those ancestors who understand those things that are good and true and beautiful and real, and I ask them to come close to us and to help us, help us the living to do what we are called to do in our time. I call out to these ancestors to be with us and gather round to help us to do what must be done for those who are coming. And as the ancestors gather round us, as we trust their presence, not only the human ancestors, but those non-human ancestors as well that are here in the rocks and the plants and the trees, in the geography around us, in the land and all the life that inhabits it. As all these ancestors gathered round, let us gather ourselves, gathering our awareness from wherever it might be into our head. From our head, let's draw that awareness down to our hearts, and from our hearts down to our bellies. And from our bellies, let's extend down to the earth and take a moment here in our day to stop and open our heart to give gratitude for life. Gratitude to the earth for our life and all that has been that has brought us to this moment. Whether we understand the gift or the power in it or not yet, it doesn't matter. We give gratitude for all of it, the whole journey that brought us here. And we give gratitude for this moment, pregnant and empty. And we give gratitude for all that there is to come and for this beautiful place to walk that walk. We give thanks for diversity, for exceptional beauty around us, for the great teachers and all life all around us, and for the miracle of life itself. And with a humble awareness of this miracle that we carry, let us open our hearts as we move down through all the layers of the earth, spreading our gratitude as we go, until we reach the very center of the earth and we connect with this essence energy, this energy that is at the very root of all that gives abundance and fertility and life here on earth. And so we take a moment there and honor the darkness, the stillness, the quiet, the silence, and all of these energies that ultimately rise and restore us and replenish us and renew us. So we give thanks to these energies of the earth and we begin to draw it up just like a crystal clear spring of fresh water rising up from the earth, bringing that release, that relief, that restoration to the surface of the earth. We draw this earth energy up just like that fresh spring. We draw it up into ourselves, into our bellies and our hearts and our minds. And with the energy of the earth, let us ask the earth to help us to understand how to ground ourselves in our bodies and in this day, to know what it is that we stand for, to know where we stand and what matters to us in life and to live to support those things. And with the energy of the earth, let us help help our own growing understanding of what it means to create a sense of home, a sense of place and hearth and belonging, and to do so in a way that is not identified simply by gathering those who are like us, but to open our hearts and our minds and our awareness to the other, 
to those others out there in this world that will challenge us and help us to grow into the men and women that we were really born to be in this life. And so may we open the door, set a place at our table, keep a candle burning, and be willing to greet the stranger in our lives that we might change and transform. And as we learn from the earth how to be with diversity and to see this as the great power of our time, let us reach out and understand how to connect within ourselves to the diversity within us and out beyond the humanness, out into nature and our environment. How do we connect with the world around us and understand our place in the greater machinations of life? And we reach out beyond even the physical form to connect to interconnect and understand the great oneness, this great web of life of which we are all a part. And we draw all of this from the energy of the earth that we might understand how to be here with all life in a good way and to be part of the abundance, part of the giving, part of the sharing, part of all that it is that sustains and allows life to flow. And so with great gratitude to the earth for this place that we stand, this place that we live, and this place that we grow. Let us reach our energy up, out the top of our head, out into the sky, whatever it holds for you at this moment. Out through the atmosphere and out into the cosmos and all the way past all the wonders of our cosmos, the great mysteries and the heavenly bodies, out to the highest power of the universe. And by whatever name you know this power and ever, whatever way you understand it, connect with this energy and draw this golden energy down, drawing into ourselves, into our proceedings, drawing into your day, the sweet energy of blessing the essence energy of protection, the energy of commitment and devotion, the energy of inspiration and illumination. And we draw these energies in, into our heads, into our hearts, into our bellies, send it all the way down to the center of the earth so that we connect here or we are this place of connection between earth and sky, between heaven and earth, these two great legendary lovers, the place from which all life as form has emerged here on this planet. So we give great, great gratitude for these two great lovers to fill us with this big love, and we ask that big love to awaken the spirit of our own hearts, our own human hearts, to open up and to be that place, that great crucible of change that allows the fiery passions of the belly to dance intimately with the crystal clear, cool clarity of the mind and to have these energies come together in the heart where they might dance in a way that destroys neither but opens the space for a third thing to be born, which is our memory, our, our remembering, our sense of why we are here. And may we find in our heart the courage to do something in this day, large or small, to bring those gifts into the world, to make them manifest, to understand that the purpose of our life is to live why we are here. So with great, great gratitude to all the energies around us that assist us as humans to discover this, to remember this, and to do it in the time in which we've chosen to be born, we give great, great gratitude for the unfathomable amount of assistance that we have. And I give great gratitude to you, to Nakaya, to Deb, Rich, Iman, Linda, and all of you who have been able to donate financially to the show. This show is 100% listener supported, and I give great gratitude for that. There are thousands of dollars of bills that keep the show on the air and keep it free and available to anybody in the world who can get onto the internet. They're available through iTunes, through the whyshamanismnow.com site, and through the code-creatornetwork.com site. And this is a resource for the people. And I give thanks to you, those of you that helped me to pay for that. And I give thanks to those who can't help in that way, but help in many other ways. Sharing the links to the shows, commenting on the Facebook page. The comments are off on the website because it's too crazy with robot answers. Um, but you're welcome to comment about shows on the Facebook page for the show. But mostly I give gratitude to those of you who are doing something to help the listening audience of the show to grow, to challenge the teachings, to bring them into your life in some way and see what happens, and then to let me know. Thank you for sharing your questions. Thank you for sharing your show ideas. But mostly thank you for bringing these ideas into the world because this is really the essence even of today's show. 
which is how do we become the people who can throw off that old story, all the fears and misunderstandings and ignorance of the old world, and become the people who are truly writing the story for the new world. So I give great gratitude for all of you who are helping me to do that because I can't do it alone, and I am truly grateful. So if this show moves you in any way, it has moved you in the heart, and may you do that most essential of shamanic acts, which is allow the motivation of your heart to move you into action in the world. And if you would like to donate to the show and you never have, you're welcome to donate any amount, large or small, in any currency. You can just go to the whyshamanismnow.com site, click the support button, and donate any amount. If you're uncomfortable with that, please just email me at christina at lastmaskcenter.org and I would be happy to give you a physical address for a regular old-fashioned check. So thank you, everyone. Today we are live, and if you have questions about today's topic, you are welcome to call in at 512-772-1938, or you can Skype in from the co-creatornetwork.com site, or just email me again at christina at lastmaskcenter.org. And for those of you that are wondering about classes, the calendar at lastmasscenter.org is current and um, contains registration information. The first class for the cycle teachings is filling up um, ever more quickly now. It's, they're not huge. Um, there's not room for a huge amount of people. They're fairly intimate classes. So I suggest if you're considering joining me this year for the cycle teachings that you register now. Um, so anyway, all that information is at lastmasscenter.org. Today, we're continuing with a series about shamanism and children, which is probably one of the most frequent requests that I get for um, topics. And today, we're talking about shamanic life with kids. Um, so next week, we're going to have author, Kel- author and shaman, actually, Kelly Harrell with us, who is going to talk about shamanic living with teens. And last week... We talked about um, creating sacred space for conception, pregnancy, birth, and infancy. So today we're just continuing with that in-between place with the kids, with the children, Um, shamanic life with kids. And I'm not really talking about what used to happen because we're not those people. But I want to talk about what we could be doing now in our current condition, what we could be doing right now uh, to bring our shamanic skills to bear in the lives of our children. So, first and foremost, we need to raise our children in a way that does not create soul loss. And typical average American life creates soul loss. There's a whole lot about life in a whole lot of other countries around the globe at this time that creates soul loss. And it is our job, not just as parents, but as adults in the lives of children to be aware of the damage that we do to our children by passing on our fears, our misunderstandings, our ignorance, our own places where we have refused to grow up. We need to be aware of the damage that we do to children in this way by not being willing to face our fears, change our misunderstandings, educate our ignorance, grow up where we need to grow up so that we can actually share with our children um, an uh, an energetic reality of the world that's going on around all of us. Because the truth for children is that they're in it. By the time we become adults, we're telling ourselves the stories we've been told to tell ourselves and we are engaged in the current culture for better or for worse. But children don't know the stories yet. Children are only just learning these stories. And to the extent that we teach them stories based on fear and misunderstanding and ignorance, we are harming them. And when we act out of those places ourselves, we often create soul loss in our own children. I know this seems obvious that we should try to raise our children without creating soul loss, but it isn't. It obviously isn't because I watch soul loss happening to children around me every day. And there's a great rant about this. It's not even really a rant. It's really beautifully written by a dad, single dad, named Dan Pierce um, from a blog he writes called Single Dad Laughing. And it's called You Just Broke Your Kid. Congratulations. And this is the entry, the beginning, the introduction of this um, 
blog that he's written. So his kid's name is Noah, and they're at Costco. And so he says, as Noah and I stood in line to make a return, I, I watched as a little boy, he couldn't have been older than six, looked up at his dad and asked very timidly if he could buy some ice cream when they were done. The father glared down at him and through clenched teeth growled at the boy to leave him alone and be quiet. The boy quickly cowered to the wall where he stood motionless and hurt for some time. The line slowly progressed and the child eventually shuffled back to his father as he quietly hummed a childish tune, seemingly having forgotten the anger his father had just shown. The father again turned and scolded the boy for making too much noise. The boy again shrank back and cowered against the wall, wilted. Dan says, I was agitated. I was confused. How could this man not see what I see? How could this man not see what a beautiful spirit stood in his shadow? How could this man be so quick to snub out all happiness in his own boy? How could this man not cherish the only time he'll ever have to be everything to this boy? To be the person that matters most to this boy. So we are three or four from the front now, and the boy started to come towards his dad yet again. His dad immediately stepped out of line, jammed his finger into the boy's collarbones until the boy winced in pain and the man threatened him. If you so much as make a sound or come off that wall again, I promise you're going to get it when we get home. The boy again cowered against the wall. This time he didn't move. He didn't make a sound. His beautiful face pointed down, locked to the floor and expressionless. He had been broken. And that is how his father wanted it. He didn't want to deal with him and breaking him was the easiest way. So not creating soul loss in your children is really pretty simple. It's just not easy. And it's not easy every day, but it is simple. We have to remember, especially parents, you have to remember that your children love you. No matter what you do, they love you. And they want to be loved by you. It's like Dan says in this blog. You know, how can this man not cherish the only time he'll ever have to be everything to this boy? We, we parents, we are everything to these children, energetically and emotionally, and spiritually in many ways. And this is why they are so susceptible to our ignorance and our fear, our weaknesses. And often suffer soul loss because of them. They love you no matter what you do. And our children just want to be loved by us. And to be loved by you, they need to feel seen. To feel themselves reflected back. To be witnessed and accepted by you. And acceptance doesn't mean that everything is good or correct, but that it is accepted. And if it falls short in the moment, then it's a time for teaching, a time for learning. To be loved, children need to feel that there is room and permission for them to discover what it means to be alive for themselves. To discover what it means to be human. And to discover what it means to be who they are. Not creating soul loss in our children requires that you remember that your children are actually dependent on you. Because that is the nature of childhood. And then the fact that their totally legitimate needs trigger your own unresolved childhood needs is not their fault. And their needs still need to be met. Not creating soul loss requires understanding that children develop in the energy soup of their parents. Whether these children are absent or whether these parents are absent or present, whether the children have been adopted or birthed by you, 
these children are stuck in the energy soup, meaning the sum total of the energy created by these parents coming together. It doesn't matter whether parents are man and a woman or two men or two women or someone single and the other parent is absent. The energy soup still exists and these kids are stuck in it for better or for worse. So it's your job to make that soup nutritious and supportive, not toxic and life-sucking, which means your energy body the way you see life and how you approach life, everything about how you are in the world contributes to that energy soup. And I can't think of anything right now that will help us more quickly and more simply, more directly to understand how to make that soup nutritious and supportive right now for our children than shamanism. Because it starts working immediately. It's not like practices that take time for us to actually train our energy to go there. We can learn right now from our helping spirits how to change. So not creating soul loss doesn't require that you're perfect. And this is, there's actually another blog by Dan Pierce about this. It's actually a good one to read as well. But what's important to understand is parents, Good parenting, parenting that doesn't create soul loss does not require perfection. Our children love us. They forgive us many transgressions. The issue is too severe, too many times, right? So we don't have to be perfect, especially if we understand, wow, I totally blew that moment. I suck as a parent. And we apologize. We say, you know, I'm really going to try to do that better next time. I'm, I'm really sorry. And, and, and that the kid knows didn't have anything to do with them. It was all about you and what you're going to do to be different. And what are you going to do to be different? You can't give empty, empty apologies. Where do I go? I go to my helping spirits. How the hell do I do this better? I am stuck. How do I get out of my own way? Those are my journey questions. These are the questions parents can ask. And it's amazing the simple, direct answers our helping spirits have for what is already present in our life. So not creating soul loss in our children doesn't require that you are perfect. It requires that you're real, that you're present, that you're honest, and that you're consistent. So are you real with yourself? Are you honest with yourself? Are you consistent with yourself? Are you present? If you can't be there in your life, how can you do that for your kids? Those things are actually easier than perfection because perfection, frankly, doesn't exist. So it's important that you do what you say and that you model through your actions what you wish to teach them, which means that you apologize when you're wrong because you want them to learn to apologize when they're wrong. It means that you make amends where you have wronged another person so that they will learn that they can make amends and how to do it when they've wronged another person. Because you will, I will, they will. We're human. The important thing is learning how to apologize, how to say please, and how to say thank you. Show gratitude outwardly, openly for what life offers so your children learn as a natural course of their day to give thanks. They shouldn't have to look at repeat Oprah episodes and find some old dog-eared book about a gratitude practice. We know this now. Do it. Teach them now to be thankful in their day. Not just grace at the table, but in the moment. Thank you to the place, to the person, to the flower, to whatever it is, to the dog, to the pet, whatever. Teach them to be grateful because you are showing them your gratitude in your day. And you need to say please, asking sincerely, for there is nothing that any one of us is entitled to. So not creating soul loss requires that you do not confuse your child by contradicting what your child intuitively knows is true with some bullshit story you're more comfortable with than the truth. Children know the truth. This is the great lie 
parents tell themselves and thus their children. Children know intuitively that something is going on. They know where the energy is moving. They may not know what to call it. They may not know the big grown-up words for it, but they know what is going on often before you do because that is the nature of being a child is we use our intuitive energies to be plugged in and we're not so firmly rooted in the stories of the physical world that we're not also living in the energy world. Children know very, very young. I see this in the soul loss children experience all the time. They know when shit is going down. They just don't know what it is. And nothing scares a child more than parents telling them nothing's happening and that they don't need to be afraid. You know, they don't always want the truth and they don't always like the truth, but they do know it. And when we contradict that, it's really terrifying for children. So it's your task to explain it in a context they can understand, something that's age-appropriate for them, but honest, or to help them sort out what is going on so that they can live with the truth. Children know the truth. And when what the adults are doing and saying doesn't align with the truth, children get frightened. To tell a child you are frightened too but you will take care of them no matter what in a truly scary situation. It is called good parenting. To tell a child there's no reason to be afraid when there most certainly is, is a lie. And lies scare children. And too many lies cause soul loss. The same lie too many times causes soul loss. So where we as parents pass on our fears and ignorance and misunderstandings to our children without thinking, that is the problem. And this is the place that our helping spirits can come in right now and help us. So this is the first task really in your own journeying practice as a parent is to learn about the true nature of things. Don't pass on to your children what you were given when you already know it doesn't work. Why would you pass on a belief system or a cultural truth or a religious system that you already know you're in conflict with. You already know from your life experience. It's crap. Why would you pass that on that to your children? Just so you can look like a perfect parent? Journey and find out what is true. Journey to find out what are you being asked to pass on to your child when they ask these questions. For example, instead of teaching your child about a single religion, Teach them that there are many religions and every single one of them is created by a different group of people. And that what is the same about them all is that they're all trying to help humans understand how to be good humans in a world that's very challenging, but in a world where everything is connected, in a world that contains what we can see around us and what we can't see, and in a world where everything affects everything. This is all the religions are trying to do in their best. And they're all trying to do the same thing. So why not go directly to that with your children? Why not just teach them about the energy reality of our world? And to just hold all religions equally. Let them choose later what they want to align with, if anything. But there's a lot of soul loss. A lot of soul parts found in churches, in temples in synagogues, in mosques, in that moment where the child's true and authentic connection with God, however they know it, begins to be severed by the teachings of that religion. It's really common. Why would we do that to our children, especially when we've fallen away from the religion ourselves? And to do this, to, to actually talk about the nature of the world being physical and non-physical is the perfect entree into talking about the invisible world. And it's important to talk about it because your child already lives there. One of the classic old reasons for soul loss is a child not making it back in their dreams, getting stuck somehow in their dreams. It's not that common today, but it does happen. They are living part-time, lots of time, simultaneously in both worlds. 
So you might as well talk about it with them. And what if you don't know anything about it? Educate yourself. Your ignorance isn't an excuse when you need to show up as a good parent. So there's a show a couple weeks ago. It was on vision. And I I shared Duane's poem about dreaming and visioning. And it really speaks to this. At the end of the poem, he says, Now I learn from my shamanic teachers that dreaming brings existence into being. I wonder what might have happened had I known this sooner. What would happen to the world if our children didn't have to go through the crazy, complex stories of lies and disillusionment? What if we just taught them what's really going on from the get-go? They're living in it anyway. Now I learn from my shamanic teachers that dreaming brings existence into being. I wonder what might have happened had I known this sooner. There's a great line in um, The World is As We Dream It by John Perkins. This is one of his earlier books. And... um, the shamans are trying to teach him about dreaming and how dreaming manifests reality. And um, John's getting all depressed because he understands how the world's actually working in the politics and the cultures of the world and the religions of the world. And he's depressed about change. And the shamans laugh at him. And they say, John, you know, still don't understand. All you have to do is change the dreams of the next generation. And the whole world will change in one generation. What if you and your partner who's parenting with you, or maybe you're parenting by yourself, what if you kept that as your mantra? Not in the naive way that this happened somewhat in the 60s and 70s, where there was just follow your bliss, follow your dreams. You know, so so you're you're approaching a child with no boundaries, no responsibilities, no sense of how to function in the world. Just, yeah, follow your dreams. You know, that's irresponsible parenting. What's responsible parenting is understanding what's really going on here. We could change the whole world if we could change the dreams of the children in one generation. And I don't mean manipulate that, but to open them up to the understanding of the power of their dreams to manifest reality and to connect into it in this time when they're children and they're doing that. To not teach them all these ridiculous stories from the old world that don't really work. But to teach them these new stories about how things do actually work. And to use your relationship with spirit and your understanding about shamanism to do that. I mean, what is the point of all of these weekly radio shows? If it is not to help us as the grown-ups challenge our old views on evil, on goodness, on... Everything, everything the old story taught us, that's what it's there for. What if we simply didn't drag our children through the same foolishness and started now knowing that our greatest efforts to affect the world are here in the power of our parenting? Because that's the time, as Dan said, when you are everything. To your children, where you matter most in the lives of these children. And there's nothing that can change that. So what would happen if your child was encouraged to dream, to have wild visions of possible futures, to deal with huge disappointments the world offers by simply journeying with your child to ask, how could this be different? To journey with them, to share your journeys with them and let them share their journeys with you. What do your power animals say, you could ask them? This is what mine says. What would happen if we put our answers together? What would it take to change that situation? How could we change that in our own little life right here? What can I do in the meantime? In other words, how can we live in the meantime if we realize through that journey that this situation that is challenging us is huge and largely out of our control? We can ask our helping spirits, What do I do in the meantime to learn something new or to create reconciliation or possibly bring peace in a situation that seems so big and out of control? How can I do it right here? You and your children can journey together and share your answers and change your lives. 
Why not? Why not take your attention, your child's attention back from iPhones and videos and video games and all of this uh, attachment to the visual? You know, we rob our children of the actual healthy growth of their imagination by uh, engaging them young and continuously in formats that feed their brains full of images. It's a very different experience than children listening to stories being told to them or um, stories being made up and told to them or being read to them, them reading stories themselves, um, going to live performances of theater and things like that. The, the non-processed visual image, the experience of it engages their imagination in a particular way. Whereas the constant input of visual images through media stunts that growth in our children and they need their imagination if they're ever going to imagine what their soul's purpose might be and how they might live it in the world. So what about stealing your kid back from all of this online attachment, all of this video VCR, I guess not VCR anymore, DVD attachment and journey with them. Tell them stories. Let them tell you stories. Engage the imaginal mind. I mean, think about this. I mean, think about this. There's this dad who designed a hand for his kid who was born with only a stub. And they manufacture these hands for this kid on their own 3D printer. They can create wild designs. You know, they can make him a shark hand or a dinosaur hand or any kind of hand they want to, right? And they simply create a new one as the kid grows, Imagine what this father has done, not only for the coolness of his child in the class with the only magic hand, right, but for the kid's imagination and belief that anything going on in his life can be addressed through the imagination and, and, the, and the manifestation of that imagined idea in the physical world. So this is the thing about the naivete of the 60s and 70s and what we know better now is it's not just about the dreaming, but it's helping our children understand how to then manifest that in the world. So I would encourage parents to journey and ask, what are my great fears? And then with each one of those fears, journey to ask how you could face that fear so they do not pass it on to your child. You can journey and ask, where am I most ignorant of how the world really works? And I don't mean the superficial cultural stuff. We can all see that. I mean how the real energies really work. And then with each place of ignorance, ask, where do I need to begin? You know, How far back do I need to go in my understanding to start learning the greater truth? And then begin that exploration of learning with your child. Why not? Through journeying, questioning, exploring together. Listen to your child. He or she isn't actually ignorant yet. He or she may already know the greater truth because they haven't forgotten it yet. They haven't learned the old stories. So journey to ask as a parent, what are the misunderstandings I hold as true that will most deeply damage my child? And then with each one, where do I begin to gain a true understanding? In other words, how far back in the logic do you need to go to get back on solid ground? And then begin from there again with your child to explore what's really going on. You know, children barely need to be taught to journey. They're frankly doing it all the time and they're delightful to journey with. In other words... With kids, I journey with them. I give them a quick, quick idea about how to journey. And then they just lie down right next to me and we, we journey. We both listen to the drum and we journey. And we both kind of simultaneously narrate our journey as we go. So I don't really teach them the way that I teach adults. There's no struggling with the perfect question. I just ask them what feels right, what question feels right which is actually what you need to be doing as a grown-up. So there's also no writing things down. 
So we get up from the journey and we dance the answer or we draw it in big colors on great big pieces of paper or we make it out of construction paper, whatever. And then we talk about how that answer feels and given that, what it must mean based on the question that we went into the journey with. They are geniuses in how to then take what it means into action. It's unbelievable. We get so stumped because we're so worried about trusting, what will people think, and all look silly. They don't. They get it. They see the clear path into action. They're like, yahoo, I have guidance. I have confidence. I know what I need to do. Feels right. Rings true. I'm on it. They're amazing. So there was this kid. His name was, I'll just call him Simon. wasn't his real name. He was just kind of mildly autistic. So he was basically in school with regular kids, but he was getting bullied by a kid we'll call Ben. So Simon and I were journeying about what to do about Ben because Ben had started really torturing him kind of on a daily basis. And so he, he went to his helping spirit and he got this amazing solution from this dear spirit. It was incredible. And so we talked about how he could actually do and is in the mechanics of his day what the deer had shown him and talked with him about. Um, and he felt really good about it. He, was, he really he felt it was completely doable. It made sense to him. You know, he'd gotten this answer himself from the deer. He was so excited to go back to school, and he was terrified to go to school when we started the session. Now he was excited because he, he was going to do this thing the deer had asked him to do or shown him what to do. And so I asked him, you know, how he felt about that solution and and how did those actions feel to him? And this is where he really surprised – I mean he'd been surprising me, but this is where he really surprised me. Now, of course, I was implying, you know, how did the solution and the actions feel to him? He interpreted that differently. And his response to me was, how can I help Ben to feel as good as I feel right now? I know from his helping spirit that Ben is hurting inside and that his helping spirit could help him just like my helping spirit helped me. He said, how can we make that happen for Ben? That was his natural instinctive response. Why are we not simply journeying with our children to helping them solve the challenges of their life? We need to teach them about their body protectors. And most of you know about this from the shows with Betsy Bergstrom. How to use the helping spirit in their lives that is there to help to protect them. But one of the things we never think about is, well, why don't we help our kids create power objects for these body protectors, like a mask of their body protector or costumes for their power animals? Um, and you feel like, oh, crap, here she goes. You know, I'm not creative. I can't possibly do this. Well, you need to get over yourself. You need to go to your computer and Google four-year-old makes paper dresses with her mom and look at what this child is doing. And the mom isn't creative. Mom doesn't have a clue about any of this. What she is is a good mom in that she's creating the way for the child to do this thing that's just coming out of the child like a volcano, right? So this is the point. We don't have to be creative. We just need to open the way for the creativity in our children. So you have an altar. Maybe you don't, but listen to the shows about altars then. So you have an altar. Show them your altar, and then let them create their own. The truth is, children, given half a chance, love to create things. They love to play. They love to help you. And they are happy to engage in this larger world they sense beyond the limitations of their five senses. They want to be, they want help understanding all of this that they're experiencing and they want to engage with it in a big, open-hearted, um, creative, imaginary way. All right, now for those of you who have really strict protocol about the middle world who are now panicking and are firing off emails to me this very moment about how irresponsible I'm being, consider this. Our children are already there. They're already in this in-between place between physical manifestation and all the other stuff that's going on in the middle world. They're moving in and out of realms in their dreams, in their imaginary games. They play during the day. 
I used to play for hours with my troll dolls in the forest with the fairies. And sometimes I disappeared completely, literally. My mom would say, where the hell have you been? I came looking for you and you weren't there. I was right there, but she couldn't see me. So it's happening anyway. So we might as well give them the gift of understanding what's going on in the invisible world, not fear of it. We need to give them skills. We need to give them shamanic skills around protection. Not because they need to be afraid of things, but because it's their responsibility to protect themselves. I mean, we're helping. But as they grow up and get older, they need to get better and better at doing it themselves. Children need to understand that they have freedom of choice as is age appropriate and they need to learn to say yes and no and where possible their yeses and nos need to be respected if possible and where they're not going to be or can't be it needs to be explained to them it doesn't mean they have to agree doesn't mean they're not going to pitch a fit but there needs to be you're not entitled as a parent to simply override your child's free will. They need to understand about choice and they need to understand about the ramifications of their choices, even as is age appropriate. And so give your children the freedom to say yes and no so that they can learn to say yes and no, not just to the bad man with the candy, but to the energy spirits that they're uncomfortable with. Right? And they need to teach them about the openness and be open to them when they want to share something with us that is of the other world. We need to listen. We need to take them seriously. And if it is a dangerous situation, we need to help them understand how to deal with it. If your child says there is a ghost in the linen closet, then you need to get the ghost out of the linen closet so they don't be afraid. There's a lot of soul loss from kids that get raised in haunted houses and nobody listens to them. Is they keep trying to tell everybody that the house is haunted. I mean, how hard is that to just listen, trust what they're saying, and get the house ghost busted? I mean, you don't have to do it yourself. Anyway, moving along. The other thing about our children and the invisible world is we need to take their experiences seriously. Follow through if they need help. Or just help them understand how to turn their dreams or their imaginations or their whatever experiences in the other world into their reality so that they understand this movement between the dream world and the physical world. Children want to create, so make power objects with them. Turn a journey picture that is particularly meaningful for them into a quilt that they'll sleep under. Make a mask. Help them make a mask of their helping spirit. Help them make drums or rattles out of upcycled materials all around them. Help them to make a little spirit house in the backyard that they can put their dreams and visions on. There's so many ways you can play with all that is part of living shamanically with your children. Children want to play. So why not have an after-school journey circle with your kid and some friends, right? Let them dance their power animals. Let them share the wisdom of their journeys. Let them do a journey where they all get to go meet somewhere and have a party in their journey world. I mean, why not teach them to enjoy these different shamanic skills? Children love to help you. So teach them about your ancestral altar and ask them to help you to tend the family altar. Ask them to help you to remember to leave a portion of each meal out for the ancestors. You can create an earth shrine on your property if you have property or if you don't on your little veranda on your apartment that's 17 floors up. It doesn't matter. And ask them to help you to tend that shrine as a way to communicate with the spirits of the land where you live. They love this stuff. They can't wait to do it even when they're very, very young. Help them to understand why, the, why we do these things so that they can engage in it in a real way for themselves. And understand, they will likely, as they grow older, that's next week, fall away from all of it. They will get lost in their teenage years. They have to because they need to individuate. But our task as parents 
is to bring them into these skills as a natural part of life so that when they recover themselves on the other side of adolescence, these things are theirs. They own them through their own experience, their own feelings, their own helping spirits. That we don't do these things, well, we do do these things for them, but they don't need to know that part. They don't need to know we're also protecting them desperately every single day. Our job is to teach them to understand about protection and to feel good about it and understand it as their responsibility, that it's not a defense because they're frightened, but it's part of their responsibility as a person to protect that gift they have to bring into the world until they've made it manifest. The critical piece of life with children is that it is our responsibility to teach them to choose, to teach them to make choices and allow them to learn from the consequences of those choices. And there is nothing like a helping spirit to help a child deal with the trials and tribulations of having made bad choices in life. So you need to teach your children as they progress through ages self-care and protection, energetic self-care and protection. The younger you start, the better their imagination, um, the easier it is to just keep adding as they grow to their understanding of these things. Teach them about boundaries, about saying yes and no, and respecting other people's boundaries. To teach them about their own responsibility in the moment because what they do affects others. In other words, sweetheart, we're going out to dinner tonight with a bunch of grown-ups. It's going to be kind of boring for you, but you're coming with us anyway. So we'd like you to bring the books or the toys or whatever you need to entertain yourself for that time. So if the child does this, they have things to do. If the child doesn't do this, there's undoubtedly going to be a problem. And so part of it is helping the child to understand when they're given the information they need to take responsibility for doing something about it so that their life goes in a good way. It's important for us to help our children see the exchange of energy that comes from those choices and from the actions. We cannot protect our children from the consequences of their actions. They need to understand. They need to make things right. It's very, very important. And the younger we do this, the less problematic the amends are. The longer we wait the more challenging and possibly death-defying. The other thing that we really have to be responsible for in our children is the growth of their imagination and their ability to see this larger world and help them engage with it. And the more we help them engage in a real way with their imagination, just like the kid and the dad who used the 3D printer to give the kid a hand, you know, this whole process from dreams Well, from the challenge and the frustration through the dreams, through the research, through the creativity of design and buying the 3D printer and making the hand and then making another hand and another hand. To do that is a way to see this growth of imagination, seeing it in the world and making it happen. If we do that, then our children will – you'll not find their imagination – turning inward on themselves and coming out as excesses and compulsions and um, problems, ultimately. We need to cultivate the movement of the dream energy through the imagination into the world. And when we don't do that, it turns in on our children and eats them from the inside out. And that is our responsibility. And so if you're not even doing that in your own life, you need to get with so that you can guide them in theirs. So what if time out turned into time to go consult your helping spirit about what's really going on here? What if it wasn't so much the punishment or the time out, which is supposed to not really be a punishment, but it was about, okay, let's all stop here. We all need to go journey. Let's find out what the helping spirits have to say. What if that was the new normal? Can ask your helping spirits, what would you do differently, if anything, in the future? So what's going on in a child's life is that they are developing all the time. From infancy, they are problem solving around the human experience. Am I safe? 
What is this thing, life force, moving through me? What does it do? What do I want to do with it? How does what I want connect with the world and the world connect with me? How do I express myself and my truth? How do I see the world? And what does being in the physical world, what is it, what is it beyond the physical world? And how do I engage with it? Those questions just ran through the development of their seven chakras. These are the questions that children are asking. These are real. These are important. Um, whether or not they can do math uh, isn't as big an issue as their ability to resolve, am I safe in the world? And what, where is my life force? Am I free to use it? And so back to Dan. He says something else in that blog. He says, I'm far from a perfect dad. And I always will be. But I'm a damn good dad. And my son will always feel bigger than anything life can throw at him. Why? Because I get it. I get the power a dad or a mom has in a child's life and in a child's self-belief. I get that everything I ever do and ever say to my son will be absorbed for good or for bad. So we need to understand how they're developing energetically and participate in that and support that, like Dan said, so that they will always feel bigger than anything life can throw at them. We need to teach them to learn from the wisdom in their bodies, not to ignore it. Tell them the world will, you know, and so I get it. You're worried your kid is going to, you know, be treated as a weirdo at school. Well, so don't be stupid about it. Tell them. The world's going to tell you this. The other kids are going to do this. But this is something the world's wrong about. This is what you need to know. So let's go find out how you can be true to yourself in this, be with what's real, and function out there in the world. It's not that hard. I mean, parenting is enormous. But bringing shamanism into the life of your kids is not only not that hard, but it solves a lot of the things that make parenting hard. It's also important that we help our children to learn from the wisdom of their feelings and emotions, whether they are boys or girls. That we help them to explore the stories their feelings lead them into. And we let the helping spirits unravel them before they become limitations or beliefs about how to play small in life. Actively support your child, male or female, in having a rich inner dialogue with their emotional life. Mostly the emotions of kids flow as they're supposed to, unless we've already started to screw them up. The important places to be there are where the emotions stop flowing, where your kid gets stuck in an emotion. It's important to go in there with them so that they can understand. (coughs) Excuse me. So that they can understand that emotion, how to express it and how it can unfold. Open up differently and begin to flow again. You could do a great big collage about emotions. And the, and, the, and the task could be, and all the kids can do this, which is how many can we notice that we're feeling? And then the art project is, what uh, stuff do we use to represent how that feeling feels on our great big wheel of emotions? And so how can we put the emotion up there in a way that we can get what it feels like? You could save your child's life giving them an emotional vocabulary before they hit adolescence. So we all need healthy working relationships with our helping spirits, with the spirits of the land where we live, and with our own spirit. So why not embark on cultivating each of these with your child? What's important is to participate in the small things regularly. Beauty, sacredness of things, nature, love. Do small acts of power with them and tend the sacred things with them. It's also important to never lie to them about the big things. Don't lie about life. Don't lie about death. Don't lie about love. 
And don't lie about sex. And if all you know about these things are lies, you better get yourself to journey in. Allow yourself the time to be with your child and through small, powerful acts to connect with the sacred and to cultivate relationships with the essence energies that give life meaning. If you can do this, then you will raise a child who can risk loving and who can look for what the body needs to carry on in this journey of love and life where everything affects everything. You do not know what is ahead, but you can trust that your life will become what you are cultivating now. Teach your children this and teach your child to cultivate a life of choice and imagination. Teach your child to choose well and to tend to the small acts of power every day. I give thanks to the ancestors around us, the earth below, the sky above, and the heart that unites us all. Thank you, everyone, for listening. Go have some fun with your kids.